Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, I like to stop right here because it is very important to me. And I really, really, truly want to um, acknowledge this to my guest, uh, Evan, for coming. I want to thank you, sir, your time. Man, time is one of the most precious commodities that are afforded to a human being on this planet. And I want to thank you so much that you're willing to spend some of that quality stuff with us here at Threads of Enlightenment. The other is your journey that houses so much information about who you were and how it made you the person you are today. All of the defeats, the victories, the the pain, all of it. And you're here to trust us with, with that information. And we thank you so much. So I want to welcome you, sir, to Threads of Enlightenment with honor. I thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, sir. I want you to tell the people uh, the things that you have created so far, because I know you have a few things out there, and I want you to tell them about it so that we can then embark on this beautiful conversation so we can get to know you on a deeper level. You bet. So one of the first things I created in my adult life is a marriage that is mostly loving. <laughs> There's no such thing as a perfect marriage, but you know, it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, I also created four human beings. So nice. not everyone can say they've created their own people, but I have, <laughs> I have Congrats. sons and one beautiful daughter Nice. and it's a delight to have them. I have a real estate career. Mm-hmm. I am now in my ninth year and nice. I've also started a ministry Mm-hmm. And I have my podcast called The Whole Person Podcast. And so that's that's kind of the, the space that I roll in right now. Oh, that sounds like a pretty nice life, man. Um, I, I, I have four, um, five sons and four granddaughters. So um, I know what some of that family thing is all about. So here we are. I want to go back to your family life, uh, Evan, because I, I believe this is where you and I are formed. Our belief system is uh, developed starting from there. Talk to us about your family life. What was it like? Uh, brothers and sisters, siblings, that type of thing, mom and dad. How was that um, your first setting within the uh, human existence, your family? Yeah, so my family is um, a split family. In a unique way, like I didn't experience my parents separated because they're Mm -hmm. still together, but my half brother and half sister, we share the same father. So I come from, you know, somewhat of around a broken home, but my parents were together and my father, you know, is a great individual who cares deeply about his children, 
although was highly abused growing up himself Hmm. and wasn't very affirming with his words and often very critical and negative as well as uh, nothing was ever good enough Mm -hmm. that, that we did. And so, you know, that was part of his programming and his DNA. And that's something that I noticed I struggle with in terms of feeling that whatever I do is never good enough. And that I'm always striving. Yeah. And I live in this constant gap of I've never arrived. I've never had the success that I've wanted. Because anytime I have success to an area that, that I've wanted to have accomplishments in, then mm-hmm. my then my goal ends up moving on me and it goes further out. And then I want yeah. more and more. And so I've lived in this constant state of never feeling good enough. I've put that on other people. Mm-hmm. I've put that on my wife. I've put that on my children. And it's made it extremely difficult in my life to have happiness mm-hmm. because I'm always looking at the end. And when I reach what I thought, thought was a goal, again, that um, it moves. And I yeah. had a very unique experience yesterday. Um, it was terrifying, actually. I wanted to do a 5K with my son. He's seven. He's really fast at running. He can do mm-hmm. a 10 minute mile at seven. Wow. And like, and that's with like no practice ever. Like he could probably go down to eight minutes if he trained. Um, and so him and I went on a 5k in our community in a place called Turkey Mountain. Mm-hmm. And Turkey Mountain is just a really large hill in the community with tons of trails. And I said, buddy, listen, there's a lot of trails here. Okay. We're in a race, but we're not here to try to win it. We're mm-hmm. here to have fun and go together. So please don't run off. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, dad, I'm going to stay with you. On your mark, get set, go. He took off. He <laughs> didn't stay with me. Mm-hmm. I don't have the ability to run mm-hmm. like I used to. I've had a couple, I've had two knee surgeries in one day um, wow. at the same time. Wow. And what ended up happening is he left. And the mm-hmm. moment he got out of my sight, I started worrying about him. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a second in that entire hour I wasn't thinking about him. Yeah. My goal for the day was to finish the 5K and get, you know, one of those participation medals. You know, mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to that. I was looking forward to the end destination and I couldn't enjoy it hmm. because my son ran off. He's seven. Yeah. We're in hundreds of other people, groups of people, and he doesn't know the trail. He's never been on this trail. Yeah. And so he could have easily got lost as a father. That scared the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And I only had one option, which was to continue to move forward and hopefully yeah. I see him. Yeah. I didn't see him until the end, an hour later. And somehow, you know, he was in front of me the entire time. But in order for me to catch up, I jumped a trail. So I, I cut half the field trying to catch up to him to try to find him. And in so doing, I cut in front of him on yeah. one of the laps. And I finally found him at the very end when someone else walked him to me at the end of the race. Here's my lesson in this always made goals for the destination. I've always made goals that I feel like my family is holding me back from, mm-hmm. you know, because golly, we moved to a new house and then two kids had RSV and then we had fall break. And then, you know, and so I'm constantly out of work being dad. Mm-hmm. And so I've felt for a long time that my family has been almost uh, keeping me back from being able to attain what I want to do because I'm so focused here in my family that I haven't had time elsewhere. Yeah, And what I learned yesterday was that destination didn't matter if my son wasn't with me because I did finish Mm -hmm. in hopes that he would be at the end of my journey and that I'd 
would be there together. But that's not what I wanted because I was concerned the entire time that I did the journey without him. Yeah. And I realized that that is such a powerful lesson because even though I'm here in my life with my family daily, in my mind, I have played this card that tells me my family is holding me back. Mm-hmm. I need to get away from my family a little bit to be able to work. Like I don't want my kids here daily in and out where we're constantly taking care of them, constantly taking off. Yeah. And what I realized is if I get to the end of the race, but I don't spend time with my family, if they're not with me in the journey, then it is not a victory. Yeah. And that is one of the most powerful lessons that I've learned this year, which happened yesterday for me, which piggybacks into, I've never felt adequate. I've never felt successful. I've never felt because my goalpost keeps moving. But what I've realized is what brings me success is the people I'm running my race with. Because without them next to me, none of it matters. I think that's a powerful um, imagery and a powerful lesson to learn in any uh, time and any uh, direction or any length of your life and to learn it yesterday. And, um, and, you know, when you see that revelation about the importance of who are, uh, stands next to you within your running and the importance of them. That's the sweet stuff, man. <laughs> that's, that's the sweet stuff. So talk to me a little about your, um, your family with this, uh, the onset of it, because you can, and from hearing you, uh, talk and listening to you, you could tell the, um, the uneasiness of the family with your dad and, and the, um, the language that he used towards you and, and your family. How, what did that do to you, Evan? What did that, those words do to you as an individual, if you can recollect how it felt internally when those words were let loose to, to, um, to damage or to whip you, as they say? Um, yeah. how did it make you feel? It, so it was, it's extremely damaging. Even to this day, there's side effects from it because here's this person who I admire, who I want to hear son, I'm proud of you. You did a great job, but instead getting criticism, getting negativity, you know, I, I remember one of the baseball games that I was in as a kid, I did a lot of things really well in one baseball game. Mm-hmm. Like it just, I did some phenomenal stuff. And I was like, Hey, did you see me do this? And he goes, yeah, but I also saw you do and listed all the mistakes that I wow. did in, in a roundabout way. You know, now that I'm a father, I see it. Like I, I see where he's coming from, where he wants to help make sure I'm humble, mm-hmm. where I'm not cocky, where, you know, and I get that, you know, cause you don't, you don't want to raise people who have haughty spirits and that was his way of trying to keep me humble. Mm-hmm. But what he didn't realize is it was breaking me. Yeah. It wasn't building me up. And so I've had that brokenness for a very long time. And I don't, I wouldn't even say it's still at some, some levels of my heart and psychology, it's still broken. And I still need healing in that area so that I can move forward with feeling worthy enough because I was created in God's image versus the image of my earthly father. Now, I don't yeah. want to bash on my own dad here because he's made a lot of sacrifices for me and my family and has done a lot. 
Yeah, no one is, I think, I don't, I personally don't think that you're, you're bashing. I think you're just recollecting the experience and um, how it made you feel. And I can attest to some of the things uh, that, uh, um, you know, the language that people use about you and stuff like that, because I came out of something similar, not from my father, but my grandfather, he and I had a um, challenging uh, relationship, if you will. And so, yeah, it, it, uh, a lot of it forms the, uh, your identity and how you deal with uh, your world around you, people, and eventually your children and spouse. Because as you begin to maneuver through life, uh, you have to, and life will give you opportunity to uh, uh, look at some of those areas that you were hurt and give you an opportunity to heal. So here you are, you're walking through life. You, um, as a young man um, in high school and stuff like that, how did you relate to those around you, the kids and, and other folks, your teachers? How, what was your relationship with people outside of your family life? Um, with adults and my teachers, you know, I've always had a, strong understanding of authority and mm-hmm. listening and being respectful of those that, that were over me. Unless mm-hmm. if it was tyrannical, then I just didn't, you know, I'm, yeah. I still have my independence, but you know, I, I understood <laughs> authority. So between that and always having favor with my teachers, and I also was a very outspoken Christian. Mm-hmm. I didn't hide away from what I believed to be true through scripture and the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that painted a big target on my back with yeah. the other kids. I didn't go Bible thump people, mm-hmm. but they felt convicted because I lived differently. Mm-hmm. And so that caused a lot of bullying, a lot of self-doubt. I can't tell you how many, I don't even want to say fights, but like physical bullying alterca- altercations that happened to me. I didn't ever fight back because anytime I said, God, can I fight back? I just felt a no. <laughs> Um, and so that, that was, that was difficult for many, many years. I was isolated and alone, but through that God was there Yeah. and he, he communicated with me. He talked to me both through the word and then through the spirit of God that is inside of us. And so because of that, it's helped me develop a very strong relationship with him Mm -hmm. over the years. And so for anyone who's going through challenges or hardships in life, the way that we become familiar with the voice of God is first by picking up the word of God. And then over time, we get to hear the intimate conversations with the creator of the universe as we become familiar with his voice. There's nothing like it, man. Um, Here you are, you're moving through school and um, high school and so forth as you are having a difficult time with the lifestyle that you have chosen versus the ones that are around you. And um, I remember when I got saved, I was about uh, 12 years old. And one of the things that I had was um, a temper, out of control temper. And um, I remember when out the first day I got saved and I was handing out tracks and, and this uh, guy threw the track in my face and pushed me. And I looked at him and I said, if you had done that yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I would have clocked you out. 
but today I'm saved and I can't do that. And he looked at me and um, it was a different relationship. So I do understand some of that, um, the changing that we one goes through when we make the choice to become followers of Jesus. So I get it. And uh, uh, it is simply a choice. So it, you are, uh, you could see that this lifestyle and this uh, mind that uh, you were having is here beginning to form. And as you're walking through life, heaven, and you're moving through your ages, as they say, when you got into the college time, and how did you manage yourself personally in there? Um, what were some of the belief systems that you started to look at yourself, seeing them manifested, but was not able to truly um, control it, but just moving within it? Yeah, college was a lot better for me. Um, and I also want to say growing up through school, I had a learning disability. I didn't mm -hmm. start learning how to read until sixth grade. Mm -hmm. I had some vision issues that weren't diagnosed until later. And so I had to go through vision therapy. And so part of my belief system is that I was dumb, that I was not smart, and that academically I wouldn't ever be a success. So I felt really down and out on myself that it's just whatever I do would never be good enough. Yeah. So I graduate high school. I have a seventh grade reading level. Mm -hmm. Imagine seventh grade reading level stepping into college. Yeah. And oh. I went to Oral Roberts University and at the time they didn't have any special ed. Luckily I had amazing professors and mm -hmm. I communicated with each and every single one of them about my struggles. And they were all very gracious to help me, to give me extra time for all four years. Like, teacher after teacher after nice. teacher. And I graduated in four years, um, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult. Anytime I struggled, I made sure that I talked with my teachers about what was going on. I did not run from my problem. Yeah, I addressed my issues head on. And that has been a major life lesson for me is anytime I'm struggling with something or there's conflict, I don't run from it. How many times in TV shows do you watch something where there's conflict and they try to weasel around it and it only makes it worse? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like all the time. Yeah. It's on every show. And so I've learned in my life to address conflict and issues head on, which not only has built resilience, but it's built an idea of like, I'm not afraid yeah. to do hard things. And that has helped me in my life to build perseverance and to take on new challenges. And in this process, there's, I mean, there's some wounds that I've taken through going from college that I probably won't get into here. Um, you know, some false lies spread about me that weren't true that ended some of my student leadership stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was extremely damaging to, oh, what do you call that? Your, not your character, your, dang it, I forgot the word. Ego? No, not my ego. Reputation. Uh, reputation. Yeah, my reputation. Yeah. yeah. So my reputation got damaged based off of some false accusations. You know, I, it was, oh man, um, it was funny, you know, looking back at it, Not, yeah. nothing like misconduct or anything like that, but just, just lies that people would spread. Yeah. yeah. But something amazing happened when I was in college. God also healed me of my learning disabilities. Nice. And I remember sitting in my first class after it happened and mm -hmm. I didn't know it happened until I was sitting in class in the professor was talking and teaching. And for the first time of my life, I was able to track mentally mm -hmm. and understand and focus mm -hmm. on what the teacher was saying. 
And I just, I just remember it was life changing. And as they were talking, I raised my hand and I said, Hey, this is what you're saying. I want to make sure I'm understanding this. So I reiterated it and I said, and I see it potentially going this direction. Uh And in that moment, all the kids in the class started laughing at me. (laughs) And then I shrunk back into that old mindset of, Oh, I'm just a stupid kid who doesn't know what he's doing. And then the teacher said, no, actually, this is exactly where I'm going, Evan. And shame on you all for making fun of them. And you know what the class was? It was called ethics. (laughs) (laughs) And so my college career, it it was a very healing time for my heart and mind. Mm -hmm. Because that was a very, I overcame a lot to graduate college in years. How did it make you feel to have that accomplishment with all those words being um, levied at you all your life. Um, yeah. How did you walk when you got that? And um, what did it do to you as an individual? So when I graduated, I felt on top of the world. Mm-hmm. I felt accomplished that I had done something extremely challenging. You know, that was kind of like my Mount Everest that I was yeah. able to climb. And I was like, all right, I made it. You know, I graduated with a degree of theology. I wanted to, you know, since I was seven, I wanted to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. So ever since I was seven, I positioned myself, you know, from volunteering at church and serving and kids ministry and youth ministry, like just always serving, learning. I finally got the credentials and, you know, nothing was going to be able to stop me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I got married a week later after graduation I went unemployed for nine months. I couldn't. I couldn't land a church job to save my life. No. And then I worked for a really bad boss in insurance. Um, and then that didn't work out. So what ends up happening is over four years, mm-hmm. I had twenty-one different jobs. Wow. Part-time temp jobs. I just took anything that yeah. allowed me to be able to work. And part of it you know, why I had so many jobs is because I had a victim mindset still Mm -hmm. because I was bullied. And so anytime someone like an authority figure would belittle me, I would buck up Mm -hmm. and not saying that we need to allow people to belittle us. I feel like there's mature ways of handling it, but I had not yet learned that lesson. (laughs) And before I just took everything, but I reached a point like I accomplished I'm going to buck up and I'm not going to yeah. let people treat me this way. Mm-hmm. And so I lost a few jobs because I bucked up mm-hmm. and then some were temporary and some were part-time. And one of the jobs I was again, falsely accused of something and, you know, I had great favor with our, the district manager, but one of the store managers was just not, not real fair. Mm-hmm. And I went and told my wife and I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to get fired tomorrow because one of these store managers was, wanting to be pervy to one of our customers yeah. and I stopped him from doing it. And then he's calling me insubordinate and, you know, and so I prayed, my wife prayed like, God, what do you want me to do? And I just felt God say, Evan, I want you to let me fight this battle. And so we prayed and my wife prayed that God would shake him. The next day I'm walking into work and he's like, Evan, I need to talk to you right now. I was like, I can't clock in first. He goes, no, to my office now. So I'm thinking I'm getting fired. Mm-hmm. Go into the to this little office. He's like, I had a dream last night, and in the dream, God spoke to me, and He said, "If I don't make amends with you, something bad will happen." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, cool." Wow. However, 
in that moment, I saw God fight on my behalf. But here's the thing. I've also had many battles along the way. One of the other areas of my life that we haven't yet talked about is I am a man extremely familiar with mm-hmm. I watched my grandfather die in front of me. I watched a grandmother die in front of me. I had a stranger die in my arms when I was trying to give him CPR. Two of my best friends were killed in the same plane crash. I've lost a child. I've lost good friends. I've lost mentors. I've lost a lot of close people in my life. And that has been one of the hardest things as an adult is dealing with constant let, constant loss, constant grief. And even to take it one step further, grief of lost dreams, mm-hmm. which feels like lost hope. I'm not a pastor. Yeah, I've wanted to be a pastor my entire life. God opened up other avenues for me to do different things that I've walked through. I've, you know, later in my life started my own ministry. It's not a church, mm-hmm. but all these things I feel like God has called me to do. However, I had to lay down my dreams, my desires, my wants in the midst of all this other brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so what it felt like is I had no hope for a very long time. And through this process of living broken before the Lord, it was in that moment that he starts building something out of that and learning how to remain broken before the Lord and to remain humble before him as he's building things out of my life and then following those steps, not trying to get ahead of God, not trying to push God, but allowing him to use my life versus trying to force things to happen has yeah. been a large lesson. And it's funny because when people like, oh, you know, because my podcast is the whole person podcast. And, you know, I'm not this person who says, oh, yes, we have to be whole people. I am a broken person, but it's only in the hip that I have this. Yeah, it is a um, there's a scripture in Proverbs. I think it's 834 it says, blessed is the man that heareth me. Watch it. Uh, daily in my gates, waiting at the post of my door. And I think that's one of the most beautiful scriptures out there because it shows this man, this person, uh, in a state of um, longing, a state of expectation uh, before um, God. And God says, that man is a blessed God, is a blessed man because I'm going to sit down and have... uh, some conversation with him. I'm going to show him a couple of things. The Bible says, I'll show you things, great and mighty things that you don't know. And I believe those are things here. But uh, one of the things, as you mentioned, one of the principles is that he gets us and um, he, the Bible says he takes the foolish things of the earth and confound the wise. When he finished, uses his, uses the foolish things of the earth. And I considered myself one of those foolish things that yeah. he makes something beautiful out of it. So, um, it is a wonder of how good he is at what he does. And so um, here you are, you mentioned that you're a man of grief and uh, acquainted with grief. And you saw all of these uh, people and friends and so forth expired within your presence. As a man uh, acquainted with grief, what did it do to you besides, uh, of course, the pain and the grieving? But what else did it do to your belief system as to life, your relationship with your God? What did it do to you being acquainted with all of that? Yeah, for a very long time, it was very challenging. And then one of the harder moments was when my daughter passed away. And I'll share that story. I rem- Even though it happened 12 years ago, I remember mm-hmm. it like it was yesterday. I was sitting on the hospital couch holding my daughter, my newborn daughter, 
when the nurse walks in and said, Mr. Herman, it is now time for us to take her body. I wasn't prepared for that moment. I wasn't prepared. I'd come to grips with her death, but I never thought about the moment I had to hand her body over to someone else, never to see her and never to hold her again. She was a premature stillborn. Hmm. And in that moment of handing her over, the pain, the desperation, the anxiety, it felt like life itself was being sucked right out of me. As if I was being submerged underwater and I couldn't breathe. And I was being held there, desperate oxygen. And I said, God, where's your love in all this? Because I don't see it. And I heard him say, Evan, this is exactly how I feel anytime any of my children live a life without ever knowing my love. And I realized in that moment, that the pain that my that I felt that my daughter would never get to feel that love that I have for those hopes and dreams of relationship gone. That pain, so God feels as well when we choose to live a life out of relationship with Him through the person of Jesus. And in that moment, salvation became way more real to me than I'd ever experienced in my life. Mm. Being this hurt and broken father, I said, God, why why couldn't we have just skipped this? process. Why couldn't you just not allowed us to conceive and to just be really honest? When we conceived, we started off with male contraception, mm-hmm. but because belly button to belly button time with a condom on, it's much like licking an ice cream cone with a sock on your tongue. It's just not as fun. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, I got rid of that and I'm in a marriage. And so I had no problem with that. The result was the pregnancy. And so I said, God, why, why couldn't we just skip this part? Why couldn't, mm-hmm. why couldn't we just not get pregnant? And I heard him say this, her eternal plan and her eternal purpose far outweighs any hurt, pain, or suffering that you will ever feel on this earth. And being this hurt and broken father, I'm like, awesome, she must have an amazing mm-hmm. eternal plan. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, what's her job up in heaven? And it's one of those slap your forehead moments because you already knew the answer. It, mm-hmm. her, her eternal plan was for her to dwell with him and him to dwell with her. Yeah. That was her eternal plan. And, and God said, and that's why I created humans. Knowing they would sin, knowing I'd have to send Jesus, knowing I'd be separated from him in relationship for three days when he died on the cross. Because the eternal plan and purpose for our salvation and our souls is far more important than any hurt, pain, or suffering that he would ever experience. Which is why he sent Jesus so that we could have eternal relationship with him. And when I looked at that, it just made life so much more different. Because when my friends who are Christians die and they know the Lord, they are now in their eternal plan and purpose. Mm-hmm. It brought way more comfort, yeah. but it also brought a stronger passion so that people would fulfill their eternal purpose by having salvation through Jesus so that they could have right relationship with God. Yeah. A lot of people, and this is, this is myself included, always felt like God was a punisher. Mm-hmm. was out there to punish me for sinning, out yeah. there to get me. And that's not the case that I found. I feel like we've done a bad job in Christendom in that regards. God doesn't send people to hell. When we reject God and we reject relationship, we are choosing hell. Yeah. We make the decision. He does not yeah. do that. He said he in the scriptures, he he said, said, I'm not yeah, willing that any should perish. He said, it, um, he said it breaks my heart when a sinner dies. And so... He does not do that. We do that. The individual person makes the choice. That's one of the things and gifts that he had given to us. And so that uh, one of the things, and I love the revelation that you got, Evan, because it is a powerful revelation that this whole thing started way before the plan was put in place before the foundation of the earth. He put all of these things 
to before everything, Jesus died before the foundation of the earth. So this plan was in place. And the reason, as you said, um, I don't believe that Jesus was, um, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he was upset that he had to die. I think it was much more than that. I think he was probably broken because he had to be separated from his father for the very first time in their existence. And that I could see he's also becoming sin. This was the plan that he would become sin for us. Um, All of these things were put in place before. So the death and resurrection of Jesus was the avenue by which God and the plan that which God put in place for you and I to get to him. That, when I saw that, it changed my life because of how I began to look at him and look at Jesus differently. Mm-hmm. And I, my, it increased the, um, as you said, it increases my appreciation of what he has done. And it changed my heart in how I approach him. The, I'm, able, I'm able to express myself more deeper in, uh, when I began to worship him because of that revelation that became real to me to see that um, all of this uh, was an opportunity because he loved us so much. And this yeah. this uh, creature that he created, uh, he wanted us to um, be a part of his entire existence in heaven. I believe this. And I've shared this a couple of times with people. The Bible teaches us that a third of the angels vacated their post in the heavens. And I believe God is replenishing that part of it because Lucifer, the Bible tells us, he was in charge of the worship. And so I assume then that the the angels that went with him had to do something with worship as well. And I believe God is filling up that space with people like you and I. And when we worship, whoa, that's going to be some pretty things because we have been a mess and recognize our state and we have been redeemed and recognize that and that knowledge and when that type of being worship God, I think it's going to be intoxicated in heaven that has never been there before. And that's what I think is a part of his plan. But that's just my, my, my two cents, Evan. So here you are, you've got this revelation when through much from pain, God begins to reveal a deeper revelation of him and Jesus and what they have done for you and on your behalf and everyone else. As you are gaining these things and growing because he, he as you said, he, he's now rebuilding you, what steps did you begin to take as God begins to direct you and heal you as an individual from some of those languages and belief system that you had acquired as you were growing up as a young man? Um, will you rephrase your question? Yeah. How... How was your relationship with G- with God changing you? And th- with your relationship changing with him, how did it change you with others as you began to relate to your family, your wife, yeah. outside of you and, and the other people? So I would say probably I really struggled with bitterness towards God mm-hmm. for a while. And even at times I still struggle with that, but at least I have the knowledge that he's not the cause of these problems, but he's the solution. And it's my surrender to him that helps me walk through this. It's inviting him into my struggle. Mm-hmm. That is the solution. And I would say this, where things really changed, I think, for me, 
was a few years ago in 2020. Uh, 2019. 2019. We had just, financially, we've struggled our entire marriage. And we had two kids at the time, and it just, and we were faithful tithing. And I said, God, I have tithed my entire life, and I don't see this blessing that we're promised. And I felt him tell me to stop tithing. I couldn't understand it. I didn't understand why. I thought I was wrong. I went and talked to a lot of different people. And then I finally went and talked to my pastor, thinking he would set me straight, like, no, you need to tithe. He said, Evan, I don't know why, but I feel like you're actually hearing from God on this. So we stopped tithing. I should say paused tithing or Mm -hmm. giving. What I didn't realize what I was doing. One, I was always giving begrudgingly. And scripture says, give of what God puts in your heart and do not give begrudgingly. And so something that I realized is my identity in Christ also kind of came from I'm owed this Mm -hmm. because I'm a giver. Yeah. It wasn't just a, like at some point it changed from, from being generous to I'm owed this now. Like, Mm -hmm. why am I struggling? You owe me this. I'm faithfully obeying you. And what I realized is that my blessing in life didn't come from me tithing or giving. My blessing in life came from being a child of God. Mm -hmm. And whether I gave or not did not change the fact that he loved me. Mm -hmm. And mathematically speaking, to do what we needed to do financially, it would take us about five years of very intense growth. Yeah. To, to pay off student loans, to pay off a storm shelter, to pay off a car, and to buy another car. It was going to take us five years financially to accomplish those goals with our current paycheck. In six months, all those things were accomplished. In six months, all those were accomplished. And even had an extra like 10 grand in the bank at that time. Mm-hmm. And then slowly we started giving again. What changed for me is my identity went from I'm owed this or I'm doing something to seek your approval mm-hmm. to being, no, I'm already approved. Yeah. I'm already favored. I don't have to, str- I don't have to do anything to be loved by you. I am just loved. And it was when I walked into that moment that my life started changing. It's in that moment that the door for ministry opened wide up for me. And then doing a year of ministry and they're like, Holly, I can't keep paying for this myself. Luckily I've had the money to, but you know, I need to start a ministry. And so then I started a ministry and God's blessed me with donations and God's kept it going. And we've seen, you know, over two years, close to six-ish, 600 people come to the Lord through our ministry. God is good. It came from (laughs) the fact that I wasn't striving for him, like I strived for my earthly father. Yeah. I didn't have to prove my worth. I was already worth Yeah. And when that happened, so much more peace came into my Well, the principle is while we were yet sinners. So then, uh, you know, all the, all the work was done. <laughs> it's just yeah. a, matter, a matter of you saying, I don't need to be anything more than justified. And I am justified by making my confession and making my thing. And once the Bible says you have done that, you are justified. You are. And as you begin to walk, the walk of faith, you know, that's where we call to. And I know I, ta- I teach about the prosperity message that people teach from time to time, and there was a reason for it. And I understand the reason was back in the day when people taught that you needed to, pov- the poorer you were, the closer to God you were. And so the men had to come up and teach them and bring them. But I think they have crossed the line. Tithing is another thing also that they use to uh, put a burden upon people. And... Um, uh, 
according to the Bible, we are now in a different dispensation, if you will, uh, that of grace. And that is where you give according to your heart. Um, but if you don't, I heard a pastor said that the reason why Jesus did, isn't coming yet is because people are not giving. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a crazy statement because the scripture says the reason why he didn't come because the, it says after the gospel has been preached to all these nations and whatever, then he will come. And yeah. he's saying one of the other reasons why he hasn't come is because he's willing that none should perish. And he's trying to give mankind the time to make the decision to come to him. How they yeah. tied in, tied in with Jesus Christ coming, absolutely madness, heresy. But that's what's out there. And um, as you stated, when God told you to stop giving tithes, because a lot of us burden ourselves with it to a place where um, we began to shut down our lives based on that mentality where God came, switched you around, and you walked into this freedom, and you began to do your ministry. Talk to me about this, Evan, as you began to uh, change your life and the ministries as he opened, because your podcast is a ministry. Uh, your podcast, uh, um, I have a theory about that. The pulpit is where, where we, we preach from. And, and uh, it's, it's a, it starts with a P, and a podcast starts with a P. So you're, you're at the same pulpit, so don't worry about it. You're able to reach more people than you would in a um, brick-and-mortar situation. You're able to meet people around the world, so God is able to uh, do much more. So you're still in the ministry, if you will. So as yeah. you begin to... How did that, uh, the podcast and all of those things began to formulate, Evan? How did you put those pieces together? And what was the, um, the incident that crystallized it in your mind? Yeah, you know, I started it three years ago. And before that, I felt like I was supposed to do it for five years before that. I mm-hmm. remember um, I bought the equipment and it sat there for five years. <laughs> and what it came down to is I never felt qualified. I never felt good enough. Like I have enough togetherness to be able to speak with authority. Wow. Why should people listen to me? And then I, one, one guy by the name of Kevin Miller, who used to run the Ziggler podcast, but it's now called self-helpful. You know, he started asking questions on his podcast. I started kind of commenting and he liked my comments. And so he would read them or he'd let me uh, voice them. And then I came across another podcast where the guy who was talking wasn't coming from a place of authority, but coming from a place of a student. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, I can start a podcast as a student, <laughs> as a teacher. Yeah. And so what I realized is I'm not trying to just teach. Like I can teach. I can say stuff. Like God has given me things to say, and then I say them. But I'm with the people. I'm not I'm not the person who's fully yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And so... When I had that aha, that's when leadership started changing in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked at a pastor position as someone who's arrived and who's there to help other people, but I, yeah. I've never viewed the pastor as the one who's the first student in line leading other students, you yeah. know? And so for me, everything changed when I just, I stopped trying to feel like I had to know it all. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what, with what I got, I will offer it. And I'll let my life be an example, either good or bad, and hopefully people will learn from it. And that started a really awesome process of the podcast. And then God has blessed the show, the whole person podcast, because we started having really well-known guests come on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, we've had like Michael Hyatt and Andy Andrews, Jim Stovall, Angela Duckworth, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. I've had Nick Vujicic, who is called the Limbless Preacher. He's Mm -hmm. the guy with the Australian voice who doesn't have arms or legs. I've had Kevin Sorbo. And then I've had a whole bunch of other people that aren't well-known, but also have incredible stories. Yeah. And I've learned so much from them over the years. And that kind of led into, this is how I'm just going to start a ministry. And then it wasn't really fruitful financially because I was spending a lot of money on the podcast to produce it. Mm Mm-hmm which I think why starting the ministry has been important because now I brought the podcast into the ministry and I'm not covering the cost individually anymore. Yeah. And the production is going to be better. It's going to be focused and targeted specifically towards men who are in the age range of 28 to 45 who may or may not be self-employed or an entrepreneur, have a family, um, kind of in my demographic and it's mm-hmm. going to be more of an online men's ministry um, as we're launching the, the process. And so that is going to be my focus online. Um, and that kind of paved the way for me to be a, a much better speaker and communicator, which has made it a little easier to get into other places as well. It's given me more credibility. Excellent. Those that are listening to us, it's called the Whole Person Podcast. Um, I want you guys to... Um, get in that uh, Evan space and show some support, get in there and learn uh, from his conversations that he's having with people, all of the things that he's putting together, the insights, um, whatever you can get, get into his space so that you can learn. Our, Our goal is that we can assist you to change your paradigm, change your mindset, change your family, change yourself so that you can, um, as I say to people, once you begin to change yourself, change your family, you definitely will be able to change the world. Evan, I want to thank you so much for coming into uh, my space and chatting with us here at uh, Threads of Enlightenment, sharing your journey and your relationship with God, how he's able to walk with you and you with him. And he has taken those things that are broken and making them beautiful. And I want to thank you so much, sir, for coming. Thank you. And God's blessing upon you, your family, and all that you lay your hands upon, as the scripture says, and God will bless it. And I thank you so much, sir, for coming. Thank you. You know, um, I don't normally do this, but I want to give something to your audience. I don't have a book or anything, yeah. but what I do have is I do coaching with people who are struggling with identity and purpose and belonging and even grief. And if someone is really feeling like they need a, you know, like one coaching session to just help them see something that they're not seeing, mm-hmm. uh, feel free to reach out. Is it okay if I share my, yeah, email? give them everything, uh, share with yeah. it Evan, so, because I'm going to provide that as well, but go ahead and perfect. share it. My email is Evan, E-V-A-N, at Evan, E-V-A-N, H-E-R-R-M-A-N.com. Evan at EvanHerman.com with two R's in her. And if you're just like, man, I'm struggling. I need I need just one coaching session to help me get to the next step. Hey, I want to just offer that for you because I believe in the show. I believe in you guys as guests. Sorry, sorry. As audience members of the show, I'm grateful that you're listening to this conversation. And I just want to be a blessing to you guys if you if you want it. 
Thank you so much, sir. I um, I hope that you guys take him up on this because, again, it is my hope, and I know it's Evan because he has given you his information, that you reach out to him. We don't want you to be there by yourself. There is help. There are people that can walk with you, hold your hands, encourages, encourage you, and to take you to that next level so that you can be free. And uh, he has offered his wisdom, his time. And I pray that you guys take advantage of it and become free. Thank you so much again, Evan, for coming to Threads of Enlightenment, sir. Thank you for having me. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.